Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Alright, so we just want to go on straight to uh, the next part of the study on the unpardonable sin. I, I just believe that you are taking time to go back, studying these things and listening to them again and again so that you can find some good bearing in that which the Lord is communicating to us. I have received some questions already and based on what we're sharing, the way people are beginning to think about it, uh, which they feel is completely different from what they, they used to or they've ever had before. And that is why it's a revelation, largely, and it because this is what the Father intends you to know at this moment of time. And we must understand that God actually, at this season, is raising the people for himself, like we said continuously. Uh, we do not believe or see that everybody uh, is understanding the Word of God, the mind of God, uh, at equal level at this moment of time that we are within the body of Christ. And again, uh, we also have come to the conclusion, like I was speaking to a resident pastor a few days ago, uh, your theology, if your theology does not answer to Genesis 1, 26 to 28, then it's flawed. Because that is the ultimate mind of God. And God has not changed his mind. When God said, let's make my image after likeness, let it have dominion, he's still there. He hasn't changed his mind. The fact that man fell, man fell in Adam doesn't mean God has just changed his mind, that he wasn't going to carry out that agenda. That is still his ultimate purpose. And God is going to achieve it. Otherwise, think about it. How come that the lamb was slain even before the foundation of the world? You see, in other words, provision for restoration was already made before Adam fell. The fall of Adam was not by accident that God didn't know that man was going to eat of the tree. It was not by accident. If it was by accident, how come he already made a foundation? The lamb was already slain even before Adam fell. Are you with me? So, God is not taken on our world by the devil. No. So his scheme, his program is still intact. His intent that man will have dominion on the face of the earth is still intact. And it's working towards achieving it. And so every theology, every doctrine that does not answer to that is flawed. Praise the living God. Are we here? Alright, so this is part number five of the unquestionable, I mean, unpardonable sin. So we again will look at our scripture in the book of Mark 28 or 29. That is our major text again now we're talking about this evening. I'm just praying that you'll be able to round up this study for us today. He said, Verily I say unto you, look, I mean Mark chapter 3, 28 to 29, I just read, Mark 3. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blaspheme wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Hallelujah. Now again, last week I tried to touch on this issue of in this world and that which is to come. So I'm going to take time to read this from just the last verse from a translation called the Emphatic Diaglot. And this is what it says. 
But whoever may blaspheme against the Holy Spirit has no forgiveness to the age. But is exposed to Ionian judgment. Age during. To the age. And I want you to understand that is a key thing in this particular passage. It's not dealing with eternity. No. It's just dealing with ages. And basically two ages. I'll make you see that. Amen. Now, first of all, I also did mention to you last week, I'm sure. Uh, it's important we really understand who Jesus was addressing in this context. Remember I told us, in Matthew chapter 12, he was addressing the, which people? The Pharisees. In Mark chapter 3, he was addressing which people? The Sadducees. I mean, if you understand that. This is also a very strong key that you need to understand. Who was he talking to? Alright. For instance, let's look at the book of Luke chapter 18 verse number 10. Up to 12. Luke 18 verse 10 to 12. Hallelujah. Luke 18 10. Luke chapter 18 verse number 10. The Bible says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one the Pharisees and the other a publican. The Pharisees stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not like other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. What a prayer. <laughs> Glory to God. Verse 12 said, I fast twice every the week, I give tithe of all that I possess. I want you to see the, the attitude of the Pharisees. I want you to see the way they carried themselves. Why they felt so bad that Jesus was proving them wrong that he was the Messiah. I want you to see how that they were losing their reputation because of Jesus' presence. And how it was for them, it's a fight to finish. To be able to retain their position in the heart of the people. Are you there with me? Right, now, there is something I want you to see from even this passage we just read. On no occasion, you see, he was saying, I'm not like that sinner, the publican and the sinner, right? Good. I mean, think about it. You're praying to God and you are comparing people. <laughs> I don't know. These guys were crazy. Self-exhortation. That's what religion can do to you. Now here, we want to understand something. In the whole context, reading this Luke, reading Matthew 12 and Mark 3, knowing who Jesus was talking about, I want you to see one thing in the whole context of what Jesus said. Jesus never for once warned the sinners about blasphemy the Holy Spirit. There is no scripture that you will read and that Jesus was speaking to a sinner and talking to the person about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Jesus never cautioned the publicans about his sin against the Holy Spirit. He never did that. He never did that. I need you to understand this thing because they're very important. He never once uttered a word, for instance, to the poor or the oppressed about the sin that they might commit, which will never be forgiven. Jesus never did that to anybody. The oppressed. Remember, he came and said, I preach to the poor, the gospel to the poor. There is no scripture wherever Jesus ever addressed the poor, the lame, the weak, as to the father that they would blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. 
it's not found in scripture. Are you with me? Jesus never for once admonished his own disciples not to try to commit the sin against the Holy Spirit. He never told them anything about that. I mean his followers. Read the whole context of the Bible. You're never going to see anywhere Jesus was addressing his own followers never to sin against the Holy Spirit. He never did that. Is that okay? So who was Jesus always addressing? The religious leaders and rulers of the house of Judah. These were the people Jesus was addressing. He was not addressing the publicans. He was not addressing the sinners. He was not addressing his own disciples. He was not even warning them or admonishing them or trying to make them not to. No. Every time he ever spoke against the sin, against the Holy Spirit, it was against the leadership of the religious people of the house of Judah. And that means something serious to us if we must understand the ways of God. Are you with me? Now, if I read this translation for you, it's called Young's Literal Translation. They say Mark chapter 3, reading from 28 to 30. Young's Literal Translation. Uh, some of you, it's important when you're studying sometimes, you go through one, two, three translations. It's not enough to read the King James or the Good News or no. Go through two or three translations and see fast for yourself. Is that okay? Right. Now the Young's Literal Translation, this is what it says. Verily I say to you, all the sins shall be forgiven to the sons of men, and evil speaking with which they might speak evil, but whoever may speak evil in regard to the Holy Spirit has no forgiveness to the age, but is the danger of age during judgment, because they said he has an unclean spirit. The age during judgment, and I want you to know that. Also, he mentioned two age here. To the age, but it's in danger of age during judgment. The age during judgment. And that is very, very important. And so we're going to look at that. What is the age during judgment? Is that okay? Okay. So again, that this statement was meant for these people, the religious leaders, the heart of Judah, and for them alone is very evident from this particular passage as well. How do I know that? The time frame. This age and the age during judgment. So it means two ages. Not beyond. Praise the Lord. Shall not be forgiven this annoying the age to come. The age plainly indicates what the first thing you have to understand the first age is the age of the law. This age. So, for instance, let's look at Galatians chapter 4, 4 to 5. Galatians 4, verse 4 to 5. And uh, it's talking about the birth of Christ. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. I tried to explain this to us, I think, two Wednesdays ago on the more reason why Jesus went for baptism. Because if you believe that baptism was to repent of your sins, 
So the question is, what sin did Jesus commit that made him to go for baptism? Is that okay? Right. But he repented of the law. He was moving out of the law and to manifest grace. Is that okay? Alright. So, we find that there are two ages that Jesus was addressing. This age and that which is to come. The age that there was, was the age of the law. And then the age that was coming was the age of the church. Which is the age of grace. Amen? So, the two ages by which there will be unforgiveness was the age of the law and the age of grace, which is the age of the church. This age and the age to come. And I want you to pay close attention because he understands something. We will move out from the age of the church to another age, which I will make us see to be the age of the sons of God. The creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. We are now in the age of the church. We've left the age of the law. We're in the age of the church, which you might call the age of grace. But we're also moving from this age to the age of the sons of God. But the unforgiveness does not cross to the age of the sons of God. And I'll make you see that. Amen? Hallelujah. So, we are talking about the things that happened before Calvary and the things that started after Calvary. Are you following what I'm saying here? The age that now is, the age that is to come, the age that now is was the age of the law. When Jesus was born, so he walked under the law. He was dedicated in the temple. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. All the sacrifices were made. They took him to the temple when he was 12 years old. All of those things were principles of the law. He was under the law. He was born under the law. That was the age. And remember when he told the disciples in Matthew chapter 19, you who are following me in this age and the age to come. What age was that? He was talking about the age of the law, where he was walking. And when he go to the cross, another age comes up on the day of Pentecost. So get this right. The unforgiveness is in this age and the age to come. So what age is that? The age of the law and the age of grace, which has to do with the age of the church. Right from the day of Pentecost. And I'll make you see something else to progress on this. So, essentially, Jesus was not talking to New Testament believers. Sorry to say. <laughs> I can say this boldly to you. He wasn't talking to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? He wasn't referring to you. He wasn't talking to you. He was addressing the people. <laughs> you see, we're just trying to tell these Judaizing people, this house of Judah people, you're doing this to me, we're in the age of the law. Even if we move down to the age of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to partake of it. You're going to suffer. That is the age during judgment because of what you're doing now. For rejecting the covering of God, the presence of God, the glory of God, you are going to face the judgment that is coming on the other side of the cross. He wasn't talking to you. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Are you still there? So here he was dealing with those people, the first century rulers 
of the kingdom of Judah. He wasn't talking to the New Testament believer. No scripture to prove that. Again, let's look at something now, for instance. Remember, eh, during judgment we said, Luke chapter 21. Look at 20, 24, and verse 32. Luke 21, or look at verse 20 to 24. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Verse 21 says, then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountain, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the country enter the ring. Don't come back in if you are not inside the city. What's the next thing? For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be what? Fulfilled. All things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrought upon these people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until, notice that word, the times of the Gentiles, the word fulfilled. And they're going to live as a very say unto you. This generation shall not pass away till all be what? Be fulfilled. This generation. And I want you to know that. Now when Jesus said this, 35 years down the line, everything he said came to pass. The Romans came to Jerusalem. That same judgment he pronounced took place. 35 years down the line. After that statement. Are you there with me? Now, if you take time to read some of the historical accounts of Josephus, one of the greatest historians of uh, the Jewish people, he's a Jewish historian. He said about 1,100,000 people of the Jewish lives were sacrificed in this age. And the capital of Jerusalem alone, about 1,000, I mean 1,100,000 and people were slaughtered on this particular invasion by the Romans. If I may go by some of these words, Jewish life were sacrificed in the sage and capital of Jerusalem alone, and he said, streams of human blood extinguished the blazing fire that destroyed the houses of the city. So it's like the blood that was pouring out of people was like extinguisher. You know, blood is so thick. It was suppressing the fire that was burning the homes. Hallelujah. Heaps of unborn, unburied corpses were all over the place. Men and women, children were dying of starvation because, see, they compiled the city from the 14th of April to July 1st. You can't come out, you can't go in. He said, all these things will be fulfilled in this generation. That the five years down the line, everything came to pass. So the Romans army came, surrounded the city. You can't go in, you can't go out, you can't go out to buy anything. Women were, I mean, eating their children. You know, they were bargain, let's eat your child this week, and then eating their own children. It was crazy. 
Hallelujah. It is said that about 115,880 bodies were buried at the public expenses or thrown from the walls to the other side. Not including those buried by their friends. This number does not include this 115,880 bodies. Do not include the ones and friends. We are talking of public, public, yeah. The public came in. That is like saying Minister of Health. Are you with me? It is said that about 600,000 of the poorer people had perished for lack of food. Women cooked and ate their children, like I said. The men and the first people were slain in thousands when the temple at last fell. They lay heaps like sacrifices. When, when, when the army finally came, they were like heaps of sacrifices in the temple. The blood that was gushing out was knee deep from the temple. Because, you know, their belief is, you run to the temple, you are preserved. That's why Zachariah was slaughtered when he held the horns of the altar in the temple. So they were all running to the temple and they were all dying there. And among the midst of that, there were even some factions within the, within the city that were fighting themselves. The Sadducees were there, the Essenes were there, the Pharisees were there. It was the religious community. Hallelujah. Sadducees were so sad that they were so sad. You always say sadness. <laughs> Glory to God. If I see Pharisees and Essenes, I mean, it was crazy. Amen. Hallelujah. It was, it was saying that even those who died cannot be compared to those who came to kill them. They were more in volume. Praise the living God. Because there was the kind of indiscriminate killing even within the temple. Praise the Lord. You see, the treasure they gathered from the temple alone after the destruction make the value of gold to drop in Syria. Because there was so much gold. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 20, 24? He said, no stone shall be left. Good. So, when they saw gold in the temple, they said, oh man, they must have used gold to lay the foundation. So they start digging every stone they want to get to the gold. So the treasure, you know, Israel was wealthy. Remember when they came from Egypt? They came with gold and everything. And building the temple, remember? They brought all of those things, building the temple. So here, by the time this thing happened, oh no, the value of gold fell down in Syria. Praise the living God. After the fall, the markets of Roman Empire were glutted with Jewish slaves. They carried so many of them as slaves to, to Rome. Everywhere you see Jewish people as slaves. So we're walking in the mines, doing all of those mining, laboring for the people without pay. So we're used for amphitheater, you know, torchlight in the night. They set them ablaze. They'll be running as they're burning and the kings will be laughing and rejoicing. Watching the slaves being burned. Others were asked to fight themselves as gladiators. Good. And then evening, so it's like when you go for cinema, you know, so it's the Jewish people that they use for entertainment. They're fighting themselves, killing themselves. I mean, all horrible things took place when it comes to what happened to the Jewish people. Is that okay? 
At this stage, the political existence of the Jewish nation was completely annihilated. It was taken away. There was no more what you call a Jewish state. Is that okay? It was not until about 19 centuries later, you mean you can understand, that was recognized as the state of the kingdom of the world. Judea was sentenced to be portioned out to strangers, and the capital was destroyed, and the temple demolished, the high priesthood burned into ruins, and the royal tribes was completely extinct. There was nothing you can trace anymore about the Jewish people. That is why, listen, when people talk about building the, have you heard about the arches of the Red Haifa? When people begin to talk about building the third temple in Jerusalem, they're going to come, you know, it just can't happen. You know why? Because there is no way you can trace the lineage of Levi to be a priest. And nobody is permitted to offer that animal except the priesthood. Now, by reason of what happened in AD 70, you can't trace anymore because all the books, the record, were burnt. Who is going to offer that red heifer they are talking about? Talk about the Algebra Red. You can't find it. Are you with me? The lineage was all demolished, destroyed. The records were destroyed. Everything about priesthood was gone. You can't see anything about the old record. So, like we read in the book of Luke chapter 21, 24 and 32 for instance. It says, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led captive into all the nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And said the generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Amen? Now, it's important you understand the word generation there. The word generation is not just, how do I put it? It, it goes beyond people living. Praise the Lord. People living part time on the earth. It really goes beyond that. You have to understand that the destruction or that which they call generation stretched from right from the time of the desolation in AD 70 all through even to the rest of those who have gone to other nations it was still the generation even as we are talking about now it's still this generation of the Jews praise the Lord because it's, it stretches to the time of the Gentiles when the time of the Gentile be fulfilled, that's when that generation closes. So right from where Romans entered Jerusalem, eighty seventy down through the line, down to when, you see, when people talked about, maybe you have heard about the lost ten tribe of Israel. Have you heard that before? The truth says there is no lost ten tribe of Israel because they were scattered into the nations. Hallelujah. Amen. So we find that the generation does not really mean just the man merely being alive at that particular time. But if the Jewish people would go a long way down to the time of Jesus of Nazareth, you have to understand something that the generation stretches all down through the line. Right from when the desolation came in, all the people scattered into all the nations, the generation is still in force. And the generation cannot come to a close until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Praise the living God. 
Are we here? Amen? I want to share something a little bit. I'm trying by all means to see if we can close this today. Right. The Greek word for generation is actually genia. G-N-E-A. A genia is derived from the word genus, meaning a race, a king, that's family, countrymen, generation, kindred, nation, offspring, stock, breed. This according to strong, exhaustive concordance. That's the meaning of the word generation. Is that okay? Okay. So, it goes beyond the time period at which people live. It, it has to do with the race. So when we talk about a generation in this context, we are dealing with the race of the Jewish people. Amen? Otherwise, you see, for instance, look at Psalm 14 verse 5. I'll show you something. Psalm 14 verse 5. Look at that. Psalm 14 verse 5. God is in the generation of the righteous. Some, what did I say? 14 verse number 5, right. You are there, I fear God, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Did you get that? So this is a race of people, righteous people. God is in the midst. So, you can use generation in context with what Jesus was speaking about to mean just the people that were alive at that particular time. But we're speaking of a race of a people. Again, look at Psalm 24, verse number 6. Psalm 24, verse number 6. He said, This is a generation of them that seek after God. Huh? Generation of them that seek after God or seek thy face O Jacob generation of them that seek thy face so this is a group of people it's a race of people it's not just some individuals who live at a particular time and then they ended up is that okay? praise the living God alright um, there's a scripture I would like to read for you now, but there's something that I would need you to understand again when God talks about this generation, I mean, all this shit happened to this generation until the fullness of the Gentiles will come, you have to understand, like I'm saying, that he's dealing with a race. Now, there is something very peculiar about what God is doing with these people called the Jews. Now, think about it. For instance, the Roman Empire is gone, the Babylonian Empire is gone, the Philistines are no longer there, but the Jews are still there. I don't know if you are getting that. The strength of that statement means God is preserving that race. Until something happens, the race will not go into extinction. Did you capture what I said? God said, all this thing will happen to this generation. That is this race, the Jewish race. Meaning because this thing will happen to these people, they will never go into extinction. Until those things he said is fulfilled. Does it make sense to you? So, are you surprised that the Jews, though the most hated, if I may use the word, the most fought, I mean, everything you can imagine that is evil is against the Jews, but yet, they are still there. 
If you want to talk about technologies today, apart from the super world powers, the next people you think about are the Israelites, the Jews. Why are these though? Because God is preserving them. Because the word is said that this generation must have to continuously exist until the fullness of the Gentiles. So the race continues in the age of this grace that we are talking about. Is it making sense to you? Good. Hallelujah. Till all these things be fulfilled. That is the important thing. So the Jews, God is preserving them. Even in that condition they are. Very distinct nationalities from any other place we can think about upon the face of the earth. Praise the living God. And this is one strong, remarkable truth in the New Testament. When you read this word in the light of your judgment alone, you will not understand the import of what Jesus said. When he said, all these things must be fulfilled until the time of the fullness of the Gentiles upon this generation. One of the strongest statements Jesus made in this context, as you can see, is that God will preserve these people until these things are fulfilled. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Praise the living God. So, we have to see the sovereignty of God's power. I mean, God's sovereignty in this place. We see his power. We see his faithfulness. We see how that the words he speak are so immutable, they cannot be destroyed. So when he said the Jews are going to go through this, in the age to come, we are right in the age, and the race is on, and you, there is no way you can annihilate the Jewish people, because God said they are going to exist for this thing to be fulfilled. So this is one of the things that is preserving the Jewish race. Because you see, if the Jews turn into extinction like the Roman Empire, like the Babylonian Empire, then the word of God has failed. Is it making sense? Praise the living God. All right. So, let's get a few things again here. First, that the Jews will be preserved throughout all the church age. This race. This generation. Is it making sense to you? Yeah, throughout the church age, the Jews will preserve. They will never go into extinction. They will never, you know, like... I said before, the people that gave the Jews the hottest, you know, headache in terms of battle was the Philistines. Now, where are the Philistines today? They are all in extinction. Is that okay? Right. Where are the Babylonians? They are gone. Where are the Assyrians? All of those races, they are all gone. But when it comes to the Jewish race who fought those wars to date, they are still there. And God is saying He's going to preserve these people. Until everything he spoke about them in relation to the Gentile is fulfilled. So there is nothing you can do to annihilate the Jewish race. Because that is in the sovereign power of God to preserve them. So that this world will not fall to the ground. Did you get this? Number two. The judgment of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Were bad continually and constantly upon him. Right down to the end of this age. That's upon the Jews. Did you get that? That issue. Remember he talked about age during judgment. Which is the age of the Holy Spirit. The Jews will continuously face this judgment for blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And that is why everywhere in the world where you find Jews. Even though they are prosperous. They are like people that are hated. I remember when I went to the U.S. 
and they drove me. I forgot, was in Chicago? I forgot in the exact place now. I think it should be around Atlanta, Georgia. I can't remember. But they have their own unique place where they stay. It's like it, the whole area like they were just Jewish people. You know, they stay, they live their life exactly the way they were supposed to be living while they're in Israel. They observe all of those things. You can't destroy that race because God has made a statement about them that this people will exist all through that age. So nothing can make the Jews to become extinction. No matter what nation tries to fire the Jews, you are not going to be able to defeat them because God is preserving them because his word was that they are going to go through the age of judgment, which is the age of the grace that we are. Is that okay? Are you following that? Okay. So we find that this cannot be changed. His purpose is sure, and the Lord has, we perform everything he has spoken concerning the Jewish people at this particular time in their life. And nothing, I mean, you can't stop it. You can't just stop it. Oh, praise the living God. So in context, remember this. When Jesus said, you sin against the Son of Man shall be forgiven. But sin against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. I want you to get it. I told us that when the people that betrayed him, rejected him, he prayed one prayer. Father, do what? Forgive them. But when it comes to blasphemy the Holy Spirit, he never said anything about that. Are you getting what I'm saying? The same with which they committed in crucifying Jesus, they have been forgiven. But the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit is intact to the end of this age of the church. Hallelujah. Are we here? So, don't forget this fact. The Jewish people are indestructible. You can't destroy them because they are erased, fulfilling God's word unto the fullness of the Gentiles. Is that okay? Praise the living God. They've gone through the nations, wander all over the place, used and abused, but they are there. You can't destroy them. It's practically impossible. All right. Now, record has it that when I was studying, I find out something. It may have been much more than that now. It is said that there are approximately 5 billion people on this earth of whom 18 million are Jews, less than four-tenths. Hmm? Where you have about 5 billion, you have them to be about 18 million people. It's less than four-tenths in statistics. A situation like this, there shouldn't be people that will be hard off because they are so minute. I don't know if you follow what I'm talking about. It's like when in this country we're talking about a minority, minority tribe, and other. When you compare the world, the Jews are more than minority. But if you already want to listen to the news, you finish hearing from the superpowers, I mean about the superpowers, the next people you are going to hear about are the Jews. Why is it so? Is this world. You can't destroy them. Come to technology, come to farming, come to, think about it. God is preserving this race for his word to be fulfilled. Even though they are the smallest. Even, 
As a matter of fact, the Lord made them to understand, I chose you not because we are more, but they are the least among the nations. Praise the living God. So the Jews are there. Think about science, think about music, philosophy, anything, any field. Just think about it. The Jews are excelling. Why? God's sovereign word is working over their lives. And that's to tell you something. If you can really hear God's word for yourself, it doesn't matter the number of people, the largeness of the group, whatever. No. If you can hear one God, I mean one word from God about your life, about what he intends to do with your life, you have to bet it. You can take it to the bank. You will survive no matter the situation. And your life will go to the point that we God have intended it to be. No power can destroy you. No forces can destroy you. Practically impossible. Look at the Jews and the Philistines. I mean the Palestinians. Look at the wars. Gaza. All manner of things. Sometimes, you know, they are throwing missile. It be deflected. They wouldn't know how it's being deflected. They don't know who does that. God is there to defend his word. Not just the people. Praise the living God. Amen? Alright, let me see. Okay, a few more minutes. Let me see what happened. So, I'm trying to say, you can't cause a Jew to vanish from the face of the earth because that world must come to pass. So in this age that we are, the Jews are going through all of this. Alright. Um, let me just quickly move down to something which I would like you to see. Again, um, Let's look at the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, 63 to 64. Deuteronomy 28, 63 to 64. Hallelujah. Are we there? Good. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoices over you to do you good, and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you, to destroy you, and to bring you to the to nuts. And ye shall be plucked from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. Go to the next verse. And it says, And the Lord shall scatter thee, what? Among all people, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stones, it shall scatter you. What's the next thing? 65. And among these nations shall thou find no ease, neither shall the soul or thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart, and a failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. Was the next verse. And the life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear thee at night, and shall have none assurance of the life. You can imagine the kind of life that the Jews begin to live among the nations. The most persecuted. You see what Hitler did to them? You go and read history. Okay, the next verse says. In the morning thou shalt say, Will God it were even? And in the evening thou shalt say, Will God it a morning? For the fear of the heart, wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of the eyes, where thou shalt see. Praise the living God. Now I just want you to read through the whole of that passage up to verse uh, 67. 
And this system will just write. So you see how terrible the situation was. And this is exactly what definitely came to pass in the life of the Jewish people. And they were scattered among the nations. Because of that same one word. You blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. You shall not be forgiven in this age, not at the age to come. What age? Age of the Lord, age of the Holy Spirit, or the age of grace, which is the age of the church. Amen? Now, all these things we're reading here have come to pass in the life of the Jewish people. Amen? But I have good news for you. Amen. Praise the living God. Why do you think the Jews are passing through all this? I will need to make you see something. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let's look at verse 1 to 6. Very quickly. Deuteronomy 30, verse 1 to 6. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing, the cursing which I have said before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations without a law that God had driven thee. You call them to mind. You begin to remember the blessing and the cursing. The one I promise you, when I scatter among the nations, you will bring that to remembrance. And then what happened? Verse number 2. And thou shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I commanded thee, in that day thou and thy children with all things heart and with all thy soul. You come to remember. When you go to the nations, you begin to see this persecution coming upon you. You remember that the Lord said it's going to scatter out because we did blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And then we begin to turn back in your heart. Your children will begin to recognize. Now what is going on here? A change is coming. Hallelujah. Okay, look at the next verse. Verse 4. Praise the Lord. Come again. Alright, so. Verse 3 there. Now that the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations without the Lord thy God have done what? Scatter thee. He will gather thee back. When your mind begins to come back, when you begin to remember, the Lord will begin to bring you back. So there is a place of restoration for the Jewish people. Verse 4. What did he say? If any of thy be driven out into the utmost part of the heavens, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from there will he do what? Fetch thee. He'll bring you back. Verse number five. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which the Father possess, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above all thy fathers. Hallelujah. Verse number six. And the Lord thy God will circumcise the heart and the heart of their seed to love the Lord thy God with all their heart and with all their soul, and that thou may do what? Leave. So there's a change that is coming to the Jews. And I will make you see why this is going on. Praise the living God. Let me show you now something very important in 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 8. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 8. You must understand that Apostle Paul was of the tribe of Benjamin. If I says a Jew of the Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Remember that? Okay. Look at what he said. First Corinthians 15, verse number 8. Praise the Lord. I want you to see one word that he used there. And last of all, it was seen of me also, out of one born out of due time. You know what he's trying to say here? 
Because I can make you see, the Jews blaspheme because the Bible says blindness, I mean, blindness has happened to the Jews for a season. Now, what would that do? Deuteronomy 30, their eyes are getting open. Paul is now saying, as a Jew, my eyes have been opened before the rest of the people, so I was born out of due time. Are you getting that now? <laughs> Praise the living God. So, it's like saying it was not yet time for Judah to be reborn, not naturally, but because the Lord elected me, I got salvation. My eyes were opened by Christ, in spite of the causes that have been pronounced upon the nation of the Jews that I belong to. I saw light before the rest of the people. This is what he meant when he said, I'm born out of due time. It's not yet time for Israel to receive light, but I have received the light by the grace of God that he gave to me. So I'm born out of due time. Are you there? Praise the living God. Okay. So, like we read before in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 13, 39 again, if you want to check that, you can take time to read that. Is he talking about the fulfillment of the Gentiles? If you want to read that. Matthew 23, verse 39. Praise the Lord. Matthew 23, 39. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, I'm going to expatiate a little bit on this, but let me move on a little bit. Remember, until the fullness of the Gentiles be coming, when the fullness of the Gentile comes in, and you begin to see what is happening in Deuteronomy 30, Romans 1 to 6, the eyes of the Jews are beginning to get open again. Understanding beginning to come back to them. The veil is being taken away. They no longer read Moses and be seeing Moses. By now they begin to read Moses and see Jesus. They begin to say, blessed is he that cometh what? In the name of the Lord. What is it supposed to mean? It's not just talking about Jesus as an individual. It's talking about the church of Jesus Christ. They begin to see Christ in his church. Conversion is coming back to them right now. Now, the point at which a blasphemy was supposed to take them has ended. Now they are returning back. Understanding has come. Light are broken forth. They are becoming born again. What's the next thing that happened? Their sins are what? Forgiven. Are you there with me? Let's read it a little bit. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. Romans 11, verse 25. Romans 11, 25. And so, scripture is here telling us. For I will not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye yourself be wise in your own conceit. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until what? The fullness of the Gentiles becoming. Until the fullness, until the time of the Gentiles. Can you remember that? Paul is speaking here. I'm speaking to the Roman believers 
hey brethren, you better be careful. Because the blindness that happened to Israel is for a season. It's, it's in part until all of that rejection period, judgmental period upon these people. So what is that supposed to mean? If, if blindness happened to them in part, that means the blindness shall be taken away. Praise the Lord. So the, the covering that have so blinded the heart of the Jewish people, especially Judas now, some 2,000 years, will be completely removed when the sons of God begin to reign in the kingdom of God. Let me show you something in Luke chapter 13 verse 32. Luke 13 verse 32. Hallelujah. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox hmm? that's here right now. Behold, I cast out devils and I do cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day I shall be perfected. What is that supposed to mean? In this age, the age to come. What is the third day? The age of the sons of God. Are you there with me? So, today and tomorrow, I do cures and I do healing. Until the third day, I, the I means his body, he is in his church. I shall be perfected. I'm coming to a place of maturity on the third day. And that is when the sons of God shall arise. Praise the living God. Are you there? This is how Paul proves this. Galatians 1, 15 to 16, if you can find it. Book of Galatians, chapter 1, 15 to 16. But don't forget this. Galatians 1. But when you please God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace, and the next verse says, to do what? Reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heavens, immediately I confess her with what? Flesh and blood. What I want you to know there is what revealing his son in me. And this is what you find in Romans 8, 29. Where the creation is waiting for the manifestation of what? The sons of God. When Christ will have to be revealed in them. And through them. Praise the living God. Romans 8, 29. Hallelujah. For whom he did for you, he also did predestinate to be what conformed to what the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among what many brethren. So when you read in Romans 1 7, behold, he come here with cloud. What do you think you're seeing there? He's coming with the people, the cloud of heaven, God's own glory, filled bonds, sons. They're coming in the glory of Christ. That is when the Jews will say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And for saying that, their sins are what? Forgiven. Praise the living God. You find the same thing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10. It talks about when God, Christ, shall come to be glorified in his saints. Praise the living God. Christ to be glorified in his saints. So when he shall come to be glorified, where? In his saints. And to be admiring all them that believe, because our testimony among you is believed on that day. 
Christ coming to be glorified in the saints. It's not coming to take the saints. It's coming to glorify it in them. Just like Christ was glorified in Paul when he said, please God to reveal his son in me. That's what we're waiting for. Praise the living God. Are you them? Okay, so oh, where do I draw the line for you tonight? I just want you to see a few things more and then we can go. Now, let me show you this scripture here. Now, when this begins to happen, remember, the veil is being taken away from the Jewish people. Is that okay? Right. So, they are getting back into restoration, into the place of glory. And so, we need to read now. Again, let's go back to Romans chapter 11, 12 to 15, 25 to 26, 30, 33. Let's go back there. Romans 11. 12 to 15 says, Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminution of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more? Their fullness. Did you get that? Because blindness has happened to the Jews in part. But there's going to be a restoration bringing them to the fullness. The next verse, verse 13 says, for I speak to you Gentiles as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles and magnify my office. Verse 14 says, If by any means I may provoke the emulation, then which are my... Come on, verse 15 now. Okay, take 14. Take 14 first, if you will. If by any means I may provoke to emulation, then which are my flesh, I might save some of them. And then next thing says, 15, For if the casting away of them be the reconciliation of the world, what shall the receiving of them be? The life from the dead. Did you get that? Remember the prodigal son? What did God say on the father of the prodigal son said? This my son was dead, but now is alive. What was the deadness? The rejection from the fathers had a blindness in his heart. The scale fell off. He returned back home. So the Jews are going to come to the place of the fullness. Are you there with me? Go to verse 25 and 26. You take time to read the whole of that chapter. 25. For I will not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceit. That blindness in part is happened to Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentile be what? Be coming. Verse 26. And so all Israel. Can I hear an amen to this? All Israel shall be what? Saved. As it is written. They shall come out of Zion the deliverer. And shall turn away on God in the world from Jacob. All Israel shall be saved. Meaning when the fullness of the Gentile is come. The next thing is opening of the eyes of the children of Israel. And what is going to bring that to happen, to play or to pass? It is as the sons of God begin to arise on the face of the earth. Praise the living God. All Israel shall be what? Shall be saved. Somebody has this question sometimes. If you say the rapture is coming in tomorrow, have all Israel's been saved now? If all Israel are going to be saved and they are not yet saved, not all have been saved. 
how then do we expect the rapture to take place? It was a strong question. He was a Jewish man who finally got converted. And he was believing to the rapture until he got through this scripture and he said, no, come on. I need to think here. If all Israel are going to be saved, all Israel have not been saved, how do we expect the world to end by way of the Jesus coming to take the saints away? That is practically impossible. For all Israel shall be world saved. Now how is it going to happen when the sons of God are made manifest? That's the next age we're entering into. And the age that we're entering into is not the age by which the judgment or blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is operating in. That is when the eyes of the Jews are getting opened through the miraculous move of the sons of God. Then their sins shall be what? Forgiven completely. In that age that I'm talking about, no judgment or blasphemy. The judgment of blasphemy ends the time of the law and the age of the church. But when you move into the age of the sons of God, we are not talking about blasphemy. We are not talking of rejecting. No, no, no. We are talking of men coming back to God. Because all Israel shall be what? Shall be saved. Look at verse 30 to 33. Romans 11. Hallelujah. Verse 30. For as in, as years in time past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mastery through their word, unbelief. What's the next thing? Even so have they also now not believe that through your mercy they also may what? Obtain mercy. And the next thing says, For God had concluded them all in what? Unbelief. That he might have mercy upon who? All. That is Jews and Gentiles. Mercy upon all. Praise the living God. And what's the next verse trying to tell us there? Final thing. All the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and it weighs our what? Past finding out. Think about that. So friends, the next great event that is coming upon the face of the earth. Earth shaking and quaking events, if I may use the word. Is the move of the manifestation of the sons of God. We are not talking about the church age, no. We're talking about a new age where the sons of God walking in the kingdom of God are coming into place. This is when that word will surely come to pass. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. By implication, now we receive Christ through the church. Praise the living God. Now let me show you this scripture. I think we're going to round up for there today. Zechariah 10 verse number 10. Sorry. Zechariah 12 verse number 10. Then 13 verse 1. The book of Zechariah. 10. Verse number 12. And then we'll look at 13. Verse number 1. Zechariah 10. You can find Zechariah? Okay. He said. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. Chapter 12 verse 10. And what did he say? I will pour upon the house of David. Was the house of David? The tribe of Judah. And upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The spirit of grace. Zechariah 12 verse 10. The spirit of grace and what? Supplication. And they shall look upon me with their appearance. And they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that's in bitterness for his only firstborn. In that day, it shall be found a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sins and what? Uncleanness. Zechariah 12, verse number 10. 
Did you find it there? Are you with me? Praise the living God. I will pour upon the house of David. The house of David speaks of the house of Judah. The spirit of grace and supplication. Praise the living God. Grace. By grace you are saved. They now receive grace. They come to the place of praying. Hallelujah. And then you move down to verse chapter 13 verse number 1. You begin to see all of those wondrous things. What the scripture is telling us in Zechariah 12 verse 10 is that God is going to bring forth a great revival in the life and the heart of the Jewish people. He will pour out grace upon them. They will come to the place of supplication. They begin to cry for what they've done to Jesus. Their eyes will be opened. In fact, that prayer will come to pass in such a way that they know not what they do now. They begin to understand what they did. And they have to repent of the things they've done. And then, what's the next thing? They begin to come back to God. Grace coming to the house of Judah. Which is what? The house of David. Spirit of grace. That's one thing you must understand. We are saved by what? By grace. Praise the living God. And so when this begins to happen, the change that is expected begins to come. So when it begins to say, all Israel shall be saved, then you need to understand what the Bible is talking about. Because the spirit of grace will be coming upon them. The mind of supplication, praying unto the Father and praying unto Christ that are rejected as they begin to come in his body. Friends, what I'm putting before you tonight is this. There is no unpardonable sin. It was a word for the house of Judah, the scribes and the Pharisees. That statement was not meant for the unbelievers. That statement was not meant for sinners. That statement was not meant for the disciples of Jesus. That statement was not meant for the New Testament believer. It was a pronouncement for the house of Judah who rejected the Lord. And the Lord said, well, for rejecting me, rejecting the flow of the Holy Spirit, in this age and in the age to come, you shall not be forgiven. You pass through the judgment. And we see how the Jews went through all of those stress and pains and sorrow that they passed through for rejecting the Holy Spirit. But the next age that is coming, which is the age of the sun, this is when Zechariah 12 verse 10 is going to be fulfilled. All of those things. That day it shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for what? Uncleanness. The fountain was the fountain. Fountain of life. Joy coming to them. The joy of salvation. They all going to be saved. For all Israel shall be saved. Hallelujah. So tell me where you find any call on pardonable sin. There is none. Praise the living God. Because our statement was meant for the Jews. Now grace is coming to the Jews through the sons of God. When they manifest in glory and they begin to see Christ in his church. Their sins will be what? Forgiven. But through grace you are saved. They also will receive grace. By the time grace begins to come to them, their eyes are open. The veil is taken away. They begin to pray to God. They begin to accept, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. As they supplicate to the Father, the Father draws them in. For all Israel shall be saved. 
And if all Israel are saved, then there is no unpardonable sin. Because that word was spoken to the house of Judah. And don't forget, I told you before, you can't save. There's a ten lost tribe of Israel. No. All the lost tribe of Israel are scattered across the nations as we find the book of Deuteronomy. But the Bible is saying they're coming back home. What had Donald Trump done? Giving them their state by speaking, making Jerusalem the capital of Israel. That's part of the restoration, if I may use the word. I'm just saying that, but it's part of the restoration. Because finally, the eyes of the sons of God shall be open to see. I mean, of, of the Jews shall be open to see that man, Christ is truly the Savior of the world. Praise the living God. But the key point, I want you to pick it. All Israel shall be what? Shall be saved. Therefore, there is no word unpardonable sin. People don't understand the language that Jesus used. People don't understand who he was talking to. People don't, they don't understand why he said what he said. And they don't know when that statement was going to end. But that's what I've tried to establish for you. That that statement is coming to an end. As soon as this age of the church comes to a close and another age, the age of the sons of God begins to open up, then the sins that those people committed has come to what? To an end. Because grace will come to the people. Their eyes will be opened. And even you and your grandfathers, if I may use the word, all shall be world saved. Don't get angry with me. That is the word of God. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.